Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. A few months ago, I preached a message called The Master's Plan, and I talked about how God has this amazing plan for us and that it includes us, that it is influenced by us, and that it is inimitable, which is a super fun word to say. I don't know if anyone practiced it, but let's just try right now. Inimitable. Can you say it after me? Inimitable. Once you get start saying it, you're going to want to say it over and over again because... It's one of the fun words to say. It's just, it's just the way it is. And words are not normally fun, but inimitable is fun. And, and here's what it means. It means that it is not imitatable. It is beyond uh, compare. It is beyond, it's matchless is what it means. And that is the reality. God's plan for us in this earth is beyond Im- imitation. We are, there's no way we can fully comprehend it. There is no way we can fully understand it and, and all the intricacies and of all those things. And, and, and yet, in the midst of that, here's the challenge that happens sometimes. Because that's true. God has this incredible plan. And, you know, we, if you've read the Bible and you know in the end in Revelation, there's all these things that are going to happen. And, and God has been working out his salvation plan throughout the entire history of the earth. And, and that's a true statement. And so what sometimes happens is we begin to feel like we are, we are pawns. In, in God's big plan. And that God has this you know, plan and he puts us in certain places to, to do the different things. And, and it's, it's more like we feel like, okay, I guess I have no choice. I guess it's just about, I'm just a pawn in, in God's plan. And, and we, we resign ourselves to that. But when we think that way, we are thinking in such a finite way because God's plan and, and God's purpose is so much more significant than that. And, and, and in actuality, we are, we are called to be his children, and we are part of the master's family. And so that's the message today. It's called the master's family. It's sort of a continuation of that message I preached a few months ago. And I understand that you instantly think, well, this message must be about my family because I have the coolest last name in the world. My last name is Masters, and uh, who wouldn't want that last name, right? You, people want that last name? <laughs> You're laughing. Well, here, you know, here's the thing. You can't have it because it's mine. And the only exception would be if you happen to be a young girl, and my son is 16 right now, and at some point he will get married. It might be a few years down the road. And so if you want to send me your resumes, feel free. And, uh, and then that would be one possible way to get the name Masters, if you want, for the right contestant. Um, and, and so, you know, we are, we are talking about, not obviously about my family, we're talking about the Master, God's family in God's purpose. And so that's what this message is going to be about. And I want to look at this passage in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. And it says this, and it says, Because we are his children, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call Abba Father. Now we are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, he has made, God has made you his heir. And, and so here we see this, this passage where, where we're being described as children of God, and he is our father. And not only are we his children, we are heirs to what he has for us. He has this plan for us, and it's not just about the big picture. It's not just about, okay, yes, God has a plan for the whole universe, and yes, God has been working things up from the beginning of time, and that is, that is all true. But there is something more significant as well about his plan for us, that he has a purpose and a plan for us, that he has created us for a purpose, and he wants to work specifically in us because we are his child, 
because he loves us, because he cares for us. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says this. It says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And in this, this passage, you know, God is speaking to Jeremiah, and he's explaining to Jeremiah that he knew you. He, he actually formed you, him in his mother's womb. And he's talking about Jeremiah and other things, but there is a principle that we can see from this that is true for us as well. Because that is the way this works. God has formed us in our mother's wombs. He knew us beforehand. He created us. And if we look in Ephesians chapter 2, we see it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And so here we see this picture over and over again. It could not be more clear that we are children of God. That he loves us, he has a purpose for us, he created us for a specific purpose, he created us in a, in a way that we can accomplish the things and the tasks that, that he is wanting uh, for us to accomplish, and he loves us and cares about us, and wants to see us, and wants to journey this with us, like, like any good father would want to do. Now, of course, the reality is that family dynamics... Uh, are, not always, are not always great. And we, we know lots of situations, but there is something about family that's different than just being friends. And if, you're, if you've been around for a while, and if you're, you know, getting up in years, you know, not like me, because I'm, I'm still really young, um, but maybe more like Pastor Steve here. And if you're getting up in, in years, you have had friends that you went to school with or things like that, that you know, were significant good friends and you did life with them and probably at the time figured they would always be your friend. But as time has gone on, they're just no longer your friends anymore. It's not because something bad happened. It's just you know, life changes and you go different directions. And, and honestly, if you were to think about it, you don't even know where they are, what they're doing. You have no concept at all of those situations at all because you just drifted apart and that's, that's okay and life does that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something different about family that that doesn't happen the same way. And I know that we can have strained relationships in family. I know that in this room there would be a whole bunch of, of that happening. But it, we still are connected with them. And there's still this connection. There is something more than just friends. And, and the reality is when you are family, you're, you're family, you're connected. And we are family with God. And he has a purpose and a plan for us. And he you know, will always, always have that in our situation. So in my family, we had this situation you know, many years ago when my son was, was really little. And, and he came up to me one day and he said, you know, Dad, can you explain to me what, what does it mean to be a man? And so I thought about it for a moment, and I said, well, I guess it means to be responsible and to take care of the family. And so he, he thought about it for a moment, and, and uh, as he was you know, sitting there thinking, then he goes, you know, Dad, someday when I grow up, I want to be a man too, just like Mom. <laughs> Actually, when my kids come to me, with, uh, when they come to me with problems and they have all these you know, complicated things they want to deal with and they want these problems answered, I always say, you know what, I have three words that are going to solve every one of my problems. Ask your mother. <laughs> that, actually, my wife the other day, she, we were texting back and forth and uh, she was working and, and uh, we were texting back and forth about whatever and, and then I said, well, I, I use Siri to send her a message and I said, well, you, you know what, you better get back to work. You have a husband to support. And after I sent the message with Siri, I looked down at my phone and I read the message that it sent and it said, you better get back to work. You have a has-been to support. <laughs> End of the day, family, <laughs> thank you, Pastor Steve. <laughs> End of the day, family is family. 
It's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, we're connected. There is this, you know, amazing thing that uh, happens and, you know, God does all these things. And, And what's interesting thing to remember for me is that the family that we are with God, yes, he's our father and we are his children, but it's something more than, than just that because he actually created us for a specific purpose. He actually, uh, you know, set us up and, and in our mother's womb, we are his masterpiece. And there's nobody more equipped to help us to know how we were created than, than God himself because, because we're his masterpiece. And I want to show you this little object lesson in and, you know, we have a very creative God uh, who, you know, like I said, he formed us in our mother's womb and, and, you know, put your personality and all those kinds of things. He, he built that all in and it's like super creative in how he did that. And then you have me and my creative ability is, is super small and I'm not very creative and all. And I went and stole some stuff from Kids Rock, so don't tell Alfie about this. Um, but I found, that, I found this pipe cleaner back there. And so the level of creativity for me, if I was going to create something, is I can create a hook. And so there you go. That's my level of creativity. I can't do much more than that. And I've created this hook. But this hook has been created for a purpose. And the purpose is to carry this elastic band. And it actually can do a good job of carrying this elastic band because it's got a nice hook to it. And, and it can move around. And it can do different things. And it's not going anywhere. And actually, it's going to do a really good job of carrying this elastic band everywhere it goes. But the problem is this. The hook decides... It doesn't like elastic bands any longer. And it doesn't like carrying elastic bands around because they smell like rubber and they stretch all the time and they're just never the same shape. And they just and the hook decides, I don't actually like this job. I don't want to do this anymore. And so he decides that he doesn't want to do that. But what he wants to do is he wants to carry a popsicle stick. Now, this is going to be a bit more challenging because it's not designed to do this. And so he tries his best to see if he can balance it on here, and I'm a pretty determined person, and um, maybe, and, and maybe he can do it, maybe, he, you know what, he's just not going to be able to do it, it's just because it's not the way he was designed to do this thing, now, if, if he was designed, it would look a little bit different, and um, if this, you know, he was designed to carry popsicle sticks, he would look more like a forklift, and then he'd be able to do it no problem, but that's not the way God designed him, and here's the reality, this is the reality that we all are faced with. God has designed us and he has equipped us and he has made us for a purpose and given us the ability to do certain things in our life. And and when we are willing to step into that, we're going to find fulfillment. We're going to find capability and all those kinds of things. But when we decide that we don't want to do the thing that God has set aside for us, we're going to struggle more. Because God actually knows, because he made us. We are his workmanship. We are his, we are his masterpiece. And, and, you know, I wonder if you ever thought about this. Why were you born now? When you were not literally now in this room, but in this season. Why, why do you think God had you on this earth for this time, in this place, in this country, in this church, even in this building right now? There's a purpose. None of these things are accidents. God has actually called you and set you and put you in this place. And he is, he's given you purpose and ability that's actually for this time that we currently live in. And he wants to work in us and through us. And we are his children. And so if we're a Christian, then you're a child of God. And, and we need to learn to act like children of God. And so, you know, we're going to talk about three things today that we have to do to act like like a child of God. And the first one is to submit to his will. The second one is to settle our identity. 
And the third one is to sit with God. And so if we're going to act like a, like a child of God, we need to submit to his will. And God knows who he made us to be. He created us. He knows who he made us to be. He knows, you know, there's no one better equipped to help us than, than God in this journey. And, you know, there's, a, there's an interesting parable that uh, Jesus tells in, in the book of Matthew. And it's about this, this father and, and his two sons. And I want to read this parable, and then we're going to talk about this a little bit. Because in Matthew 21, verse 28, it says this. It says, But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyways. Then the father told the older son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two boys obeyed his father? And they replied, the first. Now, when we look at the story, you know, that's, the obvious answer is, of course, the, the one that went eventually, he's the one that obeyed the father. And, and it didn't sort of matter who said what at the beginning. It mattered what the end result is. But what's interesting to me about this passage and this story is that I think there's two other possible scenarios that Jesus could have included in this parable that he, he didn't. And, and one is that the, it could have been a son that said yes and, and actually went. And he could have said, yes, I'll go, and went and did it. And there's another possible scenario is that a son could have said no and didn't go. And I think there's a reason why Jesus didn't include those scenarios in this passage because I don't think it's the more common response. And these two responses that we see in this parable that Jesus just, just told us about are actually the common responses that honestly each and every one of us have done probably too many times to count. And we have all been there when we have, when we have felt challenged, uh, we're supposed to do something, there's a step we're supposed to take, or we're supposed to go somewhere, or sacrifice something, or give something up. We've all been there, and we have resisted. And we have said, God, I don't think I can do that. I don't want to do that. And, and we've ignored it. Or we, and we've all been there. And yet somehow eventually, because God is gracious and persistent, he works us and eventually we get there. And we've all been there. We've done those kinds of things. We've also all done the things where we have said, yeah, God, I'm in, absolutely. And then we forget about it. And we don't do the very thing that we knew God wanted us to do. And, and as time goes on, it's just slipped our mind and it's just gone. And we've all been there too. And these two scenarios are very common. We, we all do these things. But what's interesting to me, and I think encouraging, is that it's like God doesn't actually care so much about the, the initial response. He doesn't care so much if we struggled or if we resisted or any of those things at, at first. He actually cares about the end. And he cares about the fact that we get there in the end. And he has a lot of grace for the fact that we get there imperfectly. That we struggle, that we make mistakes, that we, we resist and, and sometimes are even, you know, sometimes even not, not even have a great attitude. Right? We've all been there too where we've had a bad attitude. And yet God doesn't seem hung up on that. Because if we get there eventually, and we keep working towards that place, then God seems to have a lot of grace for that. And I think that's exactly the way it works. And that God is okay with the fact that we get there imperfectly. And it's not about being perfect or not about doing it all right. And there's this, in, this, in the Second World War, there was a German city by, by the name of Aiken, and it was surrounded by, by the, the American troops. And, you know, the Germans were about to lose the war. They, they you know, uh, it, was, it was a done deal, and they were going to lose the war. And this American troop had completely surrounded the city, and it was about 165,000 people. 
in this city. And, but the problem was, was that, that Hitler had sent a, a communication to the Nazi commander there and basically said, do not surrender. Die if you have to, but do not surrender. And, but, you know, there's this, this whole city, uh, 165,000 people, and, and the American troops didn't want to, to have to, to destroy the city, they want, but they had no choice. They had to, to get to the next place. They had to go through the city. And so they contacted the American commanders, and they contacted the mayor of the city, and they explained to them, listen, you are completely surrounded. There is no hope of winning this battle. We have bombers ready to bomb the city. Uh, this is the time for honorable surrender. This is the time. You cannot win this war. And then they went and they, and they put leaflets, tens of thousands of leaflets across the city, trying to help people to understand that, that this is the time to surrender. This is the time to, to give up because you don't have a, a chance to win without it. But, but they wouldn't do it. They would not submit. And, and so the American troops had no choice but to go in and, and destroy the city and work their way through it. And, and so many times, honestly... This is like where we're at, when we will not submit to God's will. And it's okay that sometimes we take time to get there. It's okay that we don't always say yes in the beginning. That's not what God cares about. But what he cares about is will we get there in the end? Will we work towards it? Will we get to this place? And when we will not submit to God's will, then we end up like this. And we end up in destruction. But God wants, he wants to help us. He, we are his children, and he is doing this out of love. And it's not about his big plan. It's about his plan for you. And it's about his plan for me. Because he wants to work in our hearts and our lives, and he knows what's best for us more than we know for ourselves. It reminds me of this, the story of this, this uh, lady who was pregnant, and, and uh, she was, uh, had, was pregnant with twins, actually. And so she was very close to giving birth, and, uh, and then she went into, fell into a coma. And, and so, but, you know, because of the wonders of modern science, they had no problem delivering the babies anyways. And so she ends up giving birth to these babies while she's in a coma. And when she wakes up, of course, the first thing that she wants to know is, how did everything go? Are, are, are my babies okay? What happened? And the doctor said, actually, everything went great. You have a, a healthy uh, baby boy and a healthy baby girl, and, and, and there's no problem. But here, here is the situation. Because, because you were in a coma, there, you, you, know, you couldn't name the children, so the only person that was around was your brother. And so your brother named your children. And in her mind, she's thinking, oh, my goodness, my brother is a moron. <laughs> What would he possibly name these children? And so she said, well, lay it on me. What, 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 what did he name these children? And he said, well, your daughter's name is Denise. And, and she's thinking, oh, that's not so bad. I, I thought it would have been a lot worse than that. And she said, well, what about my son? What did he name my son? Well, he named him D-Nephew. <laughs> You're going to have to think about that one a little bit. <laughs> so the first thing we need to do is submit to God if we're going to act like his children. The second thing we need to do is we need to settle, settle our identity. And you know what the reality is? We often get this, this messed up. We, we look to all the wrong things to find our identity. We look to our, our roles, our job, our, the, our successes, our failures, and, and we look to these things and we get our self-worth out of these things. And, and you know, whether you know it or not, we all do this. We all do, are in this situation where we look to these different things to find our identity and to find our worth and, and things. And, and this has been a challenging season. 
These last few years have been a challenging season for, for all, if not mo- most, if not all of us. And, and I've, I've struggled in this season just like, just like everybody else. And one of the things that I've felt for me that's happened that's been challenging in, in my situation, in my life, is, and if you know me, you know me, I'm a, I'm a guy that's kind of got a lot going on all, all the time. I have, I have a, like the, the 10 balls in the air and, and, and keeping lots of things going. I'm, I like being busy. I like having lots of things. And, and, and I've just, that's just, I've been able to manage that somehow. I've been able to have the capacity to have a lot of things going on at once and to not feel completely overwhelmed or completely stressed and to keep it going and, and take one thing at a time and, and, and work through those things. And that's been a bit of who I am. And in this season, that's changed for me. And it's like my capacity to do those things has, has decreased. And, and I found myself in this season where I'll have you know, two or three things going on at once and I feel overwhelmed and I feel like I can't do it and I don't know what the next step is going to be and, and I've struggled through it and I've, and I've been you know, just wrestling through this whole thing and, and, and what's happened is I've started to, I started to get mad at myself and I go, what's wrong with me? I've always been able to do this. I've been able to have the capacity to have lots of things going on and be okay and now I can't do that anymore and I, I got mad at myself and I was frustrated and I was you know, complaining to God about it and, and, you know, one day I was, I was just talking with a pastor friend of mine in the city here, and we were chatting about it, and I was expressing my frustration about this whole situation and how somehow my capacity has decreased, and, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. And, and, and out of my mouth came these words, maybe my identity is wrapped up in this. And as soon as I said it, I realized that was true. And I realized that I actually found my worth in the fact that I could do lots of stuff. And that's, you know, that's what made me feel you know, worth something. And the minute that I couldn't, I started to feel worth less. And I started to feel like I wasn't as significant and I wasn't as this and I wasn't as that. And, and instead of putting my worth in the one thing that doesn't change, and that's that I'm a child of God. And that he loves me and he has a purpose for me and he's a plan for my life. And it doesn't matter whether I can do 10 things or three things or one thing. It actually doesn't matter because he loves me either way. Either way. And whether I succeed or fail doesn't change things. And, and we, we put our worth in these things that change. We put our worth in these things that, you know, sometimes change just because of life. Sometimes change because of challenging situations. But they change and then it affects who we are, and it affects our, our self-worth and our, and our self-confidence. And so I came to this place where I went, okay, God, I actually don't want my worth to be in those things. And if that's the way I am going to be, then that's fine, because you still love me. You still have a purpose for me. And it actually doesn't matter about how skilled I am or how this I am or how that I am. It just matters that I am a child of God, and you have a purpose and a plan for my life. And so if we are going to act like children of God, we need to settle our identity in him. And our identity does not change when we make mistakes, when we do good or bad, whether we feel lovable or unlovable. Our identity doesn't change. We are still his child. He still loves us. He still has a purpose for us. We will always be his child. If we are if we are a Christian, if you are a Christian, you are his child and he has created you for a purpose. It's like this college student that um, was, you know, needed to fill out his course load to, to, to get his degree for the end of, end of the year. And, uh, and so he needed, he needed a course, and he just needed two credit hours. And he found this two-credit-hour course called Wildlife Zoology. 
And he heard about it, and he heard that it's a challenging course, and he heard that, um, that the professor was, was unique, to say the least, and, and was you know, interesting and, and didn't always do things well. But you know what? He, it was the only one that fit in his schedule. It was the only one that, uh, that worked within his course load and all that kind of stuff. So he just thought, I'm just going to go for it. And so the first weekend... He's been taking the class for about a week, and, and uh, he's sitting in, and all of a sudden, the professor, after one week, gave him a, a surprise test. And so they're all sitting at their desks, and, and the test comes around to all the, the desks, and, and he's looking at this test, and as he looks at it, all the test is, is a whole bunch of pictures of birds' legs. Not their feet, not their waist, just their legs, just the midsection there of the legs. And that's all it is. It's just a whole bunch of pictures of birds' legs. And what they're supposed to do is to determine which bird has those legs. And he has to fill this out and, and write in the bird name. Well, he's getting frustrated by this because he's sitting here. First of all, I've only been in the class for a week. How in the world would I know the answer to these things? Second of all, even if I did, how can you tell a bird just from its legs? And, and, you know, and, and so the more he thought about it and the more he sat there, the more he stewed on it, the matter and matter he got. And finally he couldn't take it anymore. And he got up out of his chair and stormed down to the front desk where the prof was sitting. And he slammed the test down and said, this is the most ridiculous test I have ever seen in my life. I can't believe this is what you're teaching. And so the professor looks at him and says, well, listen, if you're not going to do this test, then you are failing this course. And so the young man started storming out. And as the professor took a moment and he looked at the test, he realized he hadn't written his name on it. And he said, sir, I need to know your name so that I, because you're going to fail this course. And so then the young man rolled up his pant leg and said, you identify me. (laughs) So the first thing we need to do is to submit to God. The second thing is that we need to settle our identity. And the final thing we need to do is to sit with God. And this is really, honestly, it's pretty basic. It's just about drawing close to him, hanging out with God, whatever words you want to use. And, and you know, here's, here's, here's the situation that we've all been in. And, you know, we, we spend time you know, praying and, and reading the Bible. And, you know, every once in a while, you have this, like, incredible moment where it's like God brings it alive and you go, wow, I just learned something really significant or, or God speaks something to you and it speaks right into your heart and, and, and you go, you know, wow, God, thank you. And, and, and we have those moments. But more often than not, that's not the way this works. More often than not, we are reading through the Bible and, uh, you know, sometimes what happens is you get to the next chapter and then you already forgot what you read in the chapter before. That's just the reality. And, and we've all been there because, you know, sometimes it's just... It's just sort of working our way through it. And here's the reality with the way we learn. We catch things more than we are taught things. And and what I mean by that is when we spend time with God, even if we are not learning some great principle, it's actually more about just the time spent than it is about the content that was given. Because we catch a hold of who he is and what he's saying and what he's doing just by being with him. And so then it's not about how much time we do or, you know, whether we read through a certain amount of chapters in the, in the Bible. It's actually about spending time and going for walks or doing things and just sitting with him, just being with him in whatever way works for you. And the more you do, the more we catch of who he is. You know, my, my daughter who was, who was on stage singing earlier, you know, you, when she was younger, we could not have been more polar opposite in, in sort of who we were and how we function and our outlook on life and, and all those kinds of things. And there was tension at times and, because we just were so 
opposed in, in so many different things. And I would love to say that you know, all the lectures that I've given to my kids growing up, that that has significantly changed them, and they've learned tons because of all the lectures. And, and honestly, that's just, it's just not true. And if you're a parent, you know, you know, we do it anyways, because that's what we do, and we lecture, but that's not what really changes them. What really changes them is just the time. It's time, and it's, it's spending time together, and working things out together, and walking, and, and them watching how you do things, and all those kinds of things. And what's interesting for me now with, with my daughter, and if you were to know me, you know that I'm a very sarcastic person. That's basically the way I speak, and I'm, I'm always sarcastic. I'm always having smart aleck remarks about, about anything. And my daughter has become more and more like me to the point that we've had times at, we've been sitting around the supper table and someone makes some comment and out of my mouth will come like this super smart aleck remark and literally at the exact same moment with the exact same words, she will say the same thing and we'll just look at each other and go, did that just happen? And we've actually had a time, our record right now is that we've had it happen four times in one day, that we've actually literally said the exact same things and I I feel so sorry for her because, you know, I have created this monster. She's like Frankenstein's monster. And, uh, and you know, here she is. And she has, you know, I, you know, not taken on some of the nicer attributes of my wife. And she's taken on some of the mean attributes of me. And, but that's just, that's the reality. When we spend time with people, we actually catch some of who they are. And when we spend time with God, the good news is you're going to take on all the good attributes he has as opposed to spending time with me and you take on all the bad attributes that I have. And the more time we spend with God, the more time we sit with him, the more he changes us and the more we catch a hold of these things. And it's not about these moments where we have like this big revelation. Those are great when we have them. When we have these great revelations of God, those, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's actually going to change us significantly more if we just make a point of taking the time to sit with him. Let me just close with this one final story. And it's about a man named Paul Stanley. And uh, he was a commander in the Vietnam War back in 1967. And, and in, his, in his time as he was commanding there, he saw lots of, lots of Viet Cong surrender. And uh, sometimes they would surrender, and when they would surrender, they would hang their head in shame and, and just sort of walk all, all downtrodden. And, and you know what, you could tell they were completely defeated in their situation. But other times, people would surrender, and it would be different. And, and they would, you know, held, hold their head held high, hand, head held high, and they would walk, and, you know, they'd be solid in their way. They were walking and firm. And, and you could tell they were saying, you know what, yes, I am physically surrendering, but mentally, I am still in charge. And they were not surrendering, and they were not being willing to, to, to make that, that, that declaration. And there was this one situation where they had just, they had, there was a battle going on and, and the enemy had withdrawn. And as, as they were going through, they found this, this, this soldier, one of the enemy soldiers who had been shot in the leg and he was wounded and he was, he was lying there on the battlefield. And so then the, the soldiers were trying to help him. They were trying to gather around him and help him and, and he wouldn't, he would not surrender. He would not do it. He would, he, this one good leg, he was kicking and kicking dirt at them and, and no matter how much they tried, he would not let them get close because he was not willing to surrender. And so they brought Paul in, the commander, and said, you know, Paul, this, this young man, he's going to bleed out. He's going to die if we don't help him. But he won't let us help him. And, and so Paul comes into the circle and he looks at this young man and, and he sees a boy who's probably 16 or 17 years old 
scared out of his mind and, and just full of fear. And so Paul comes in and he takes off his, his gun belt and he takes off the grenades and, and anything the, the boy could use that would cause harm or do anything, you know, that would be catastrophic. And he, and he just starts talking to him softly and starts trying to explain to him, listen, I, want, I need to help you and, and let me come and help. And, and the more he talked softly, the more he started walking slowly to this young man, and eventually he picked him up. And he picked him up and started carrying him. But just because he had done that, this man was still fearful. This young boy, was he had fear in his eyes and his eyes were hard and his body was rigid. And even though he was being carried, because he was tense and he was, he was fearful of the situation. And, and they started walking towards a helicopter and, and were about to get on that. And the, he had never been on a helicopter. And so that was fearful. And so this whole experience, this young man... Is, is not, not surrendering. He is, not, he, is, he is fearful of this whole thing. But as they land, and as Paul starts to bring him towards the medical tent, he start, this young man is starting to figure out that he actually has his best interests in mind, that he wants to help and that he is trying to help him get through this and trying to help him survive this, this whole ordeal. And, and, and his countenance changes. And, and this young boy who was so rigid and so fearful and so angry and all those things has now switched and he has become soft. And he is sitting there and at one point he ended up leaning his, his head on, on Paul's chest and just feeling the fact, the comfort of this man who was trying to help him and trying to bring him to a place where he could find healing and get restored. And the reality is that the God that we surrender to is not our enemy. He, he's, he actually, he wants to heal us. He wants to work in us. He wants to help us. He wants to help us to accomplish our purpose. And, you know, we live in this earth and there's battles happening all around us. And, and we have, we've had injuries and we've had struggles and challenges and all those things. And God has this incredible plan for the universe, but he also has an incredible plan for you. He has an incredible plan for me. He wants to work in us in an individual and a purposeful way because he is our father. And, he, and we are his children, and he wants to help us to walk out the very thing that he created us to do. And if we are going to learn to act like children of God, we are going to have to submit to his will, we are going to have to settle our identity, and we are going to have to spend some time sitting with God. And then we will be able to walk in the purpose that he has called us to walk in. Let's stand together. Maybe there's someone here in the room right now and um, you're, you're not actually walking with God at all. Uh, God has a purpose for your life. He, he wants to call you a child. He wants to be your father. But we have to choose to accept that. And, and so if that's you in the room, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and, and close their eyes. And if there's someone here in the room and you go, you know what? I want to be on that journey. I, I need that loving father in, in my life. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. You're just going to slip up your hand. And as soon as I see it, you can put it back down. And I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you or anything like that. But I want to give you an opportunity to be able to make this decision with the Lord. And maybe, maybe you did that a long time ago, but you've been just kind of living life your own way. And that's not where you're at now. And you want to change that and come back. Then that's okay, too. And you put up your hand as well. So if there's anybody here, everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, just let me see your hand. As soon as I see it, you can put it back down. And... and um, I'm just going to give you an opportunity. Thanks. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand on the side. Anybody else where you go, you know what? I know I need to make this right. I, I, I've been waiting too long to do this. All right, here's what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer. And it's a prayer inviting Jesus into your, your heart and making the Lord of your life. And so we're going to say this prayer all together. And so let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come to you 
and I know I'm a sinner. And I know you have a purpose for my life. And I want to walk out that purpose. I want to change my direction and follow you. I need you to forgive my sins and come into my life. And today I make you my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.